Um, over the last few weeks, we've been looking at different aspects of um, being passionate in our following of Jesus. Is that right? That's cool. No, you've not been doing that here. You've been doing something completely different. Um, we've been looking at what it means to follow Jesus with our whole hearts. And um, we're going to continue doing that this evening. And we're going to think about a very particular subject. We're going to think about what it means to be passionate in our generosity. We're going to think about what does it mean to follow Jesus wholeheartedly in a generous spirit. Um, because ultimately, the reason we want to be generous is because God is a generous God. Um, you know, in following Jesus, we're trying to be like him. We're trying to live his life, aren't we? We're trying to embrace the life that he calls us into. And, and Jesus reveals God, and God is a generous God. Um, think about it for a moment. We've sung about it this evening. He is good to us. He is so good. I mean, we've faced different challenges in different ways, right? We, we go through stuff in life. We go through, we face obstacles in our lives. But I think most of us here this evening would agree that nevertheless, our experience is that God has been good to us, that God has been faithful to us, that God has provided for us, that he's met needs in our lives. He is a generous God. But actually, far more than the material things that he's provided for us, the, the good things that have happened in our lives, far more than that, we've experienced God's goodness in what he's done for us in giving Jesus. You know, perhaps there's no verse that kind of better describes the generosity of God than, than John 3.16 that, that many of us know so well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. I don't want to make any assumptions about where everyone is at this evening. And if you have never um, come across this, if you've never heard this amazing story of the goodness and the generosity of God, then I want to tell you that God loves you so much. God loves you so much that he gave his son, Jesus Christ, his only son, his sending of himself into our world. He gave of himself. He laid down his life because he loved you and he loved me so much. So determined was he that we would not live a life separate from him, that we would not live a, a life of broken relationship with him, that despite our rejection of him, despite our feeling that we were okay, we would go our own way, we would do our own thing, we would live life our own way. So determined was God to restore us to the way things should be, to a relationship with himself that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. He is a generous God, the God who gives of himself. But generosity um, can kind of be hard to define. Um, what, what counts as generosity? Yeah, God gave Jesus, that's, that's generous, but what does generosity look like in, in your life and my life? It's, it's hard to put a figure on generosity. I mean, imagine that you come up to me and you say, hey, can, can we um, just like go and hang out? Can we spend like, can, can you give me an hour of your time? And I've got like nothing better to do, so I'm like, oh yeah, go on then, I suppose so. Uh, and so we go out and we hang out and we have a coffee or something like that. And, and you might think, oh, wow, that's amazing, that's really generous. 
But actually, what about the person who has only, who, who's like having a really crazy, hectic, busy week, uh, and they really haven't got any time at all, but you ask them for some time, you're in need, and, and you ask them, and, and they give you 10 minutes of their time. That 10 minutes of their time in the middle of their crazy, pressured, busy week might actually be far more generous than my hour of, actually, do you know what, I'm bored anyway, so I might as well just hang out with you. Do you see what I mean? You can't put you, one person's um, you know, gift of, of a fiver may be far more generous than someone else's gift of 50 pounds. You can't put an exact figure on generosity because generosity has got to do with the heart. Generosity has got to do with an attitude. There's something about the attitude of God. There's something about the heart of God that is generous that we want to learn from um, this evening. All good things are ultimately defined in God himself. If something's good, it is best defined by looking at who God is. Yeah? If we want to learn about something. If we, we, we can't look at human lives and then try and put that back onto God. We have to look at God and then say we want to live that out in our lives. And God reveals himself to us perfectly in Jesus so we want to look at Jesus together um, this evening and see what we can learn from him about generosity. So if you have a Bible with you, Matthew um, chapter 26. Matthew 26, um, you might want to bring it up on your phone. And verse 36 to 39. And perhaps not the passage you might expect me to. You might be expecting good measure pressed down, running over, shaken together, um, but we're going to look at something else. Matthew 26 from verse 36. Um, spoilers, I'm afraid, on your Easter series. Um, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is, is praying um, right before he's um, about to be arrested, and he knows that he's about to give his life on the cross, uh, and he's praying. And he's overwhelmed with anguish and he says, Lord, Father, if this is possible, take this cup away from me. We can read in, in Luke's account as well. Luke chapter 22 and verse um, 39. Luke 22 and verse 39. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. And on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Jesus did not want to go through what he was about to go through on the cross. I don't mean to imply for a moment that it was kind of like a close-run thing and he nearly didn't go through with it. 
But I do want us to understand how much Jesus was genuinely wrestling with the, the sense of pain and anguish about what he was about to go through. Because when Jesus died on the cross, not only did he face the most brutal and physically horrifying form of execution that the Roman Empire could possibly come up with, but he was about to take all of the sin, all of the wickedness, all the brokenness, all the corruption, all the injustice, all that is wrong in our world that ever has been and that ever will be, and he was about to take all of that upon himself. He was about to take all of the most ugly moments of your life and my life. All the stuff that we felt deeply ashamed of. All the stuff, all, all the criminal acts that have ever taken place. All the, all the most terrible things. Everything. All the wickedness. All the brokenness. He was about to take all of that onto himself. So as, as, as brutal and as horrifying and painful physically as the cross was... That kind of pales into insignificance, doesn't it? When we think of the enormity of what Jesus was about to do in that moment. And so he says, I don't really want to have to do this. And I don't think Jesus is playing around right here because he is overwhelmed with anguish to the point of sweating drops of blood. So real is his sense of not wanting to have to do this. And yet there's this incredible moment where he says, not my will, but yours be done. And then in John 10, we read this. John 10, verse 14 to 18. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also, and they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Generosity has to do with the heart. Jesus is overwhelmed with anguish, overwhelmed with sorrow. This is not something that he would personally choose to go through. Taking all this sin, all this brokenness, all this ugliness upon himself. Experiencing the wrath of God against the sin of mankind. Going through this is not something that Jesus wants to go through. And yet he willingly chooses to lay down his life. He did not withhold his life from his father. And he did not withhold his life from you and from me. And there's a mystery here. There's a tension of truths for us to discover about generosity. You see, Jesus lays down his life because it's his life. And no one has the right to take his life from him. No one can take it from him. He makes it quite clear. I choose whether to lay my life down or not. This was given to me by my father. The father gives Jesus the absolute right to decide whether to lay down his life or not. No one takes it from me. It's mine to lay down and it's mine to take up again. And yet 
knowing that he has the authority, knowing that he has the choice, knowing that he has the free will to decide what to do with his life, he says, not my will, but your will be done. You see, the fact that Jesus has total control and authority over his own life does not mean that he's not aware of the purpose for which he's been called to live his life. That there is a purpose, that there is a destiny. So many times in his, in his life on earth, Jesus said again and again, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. There's a reason why I'm here with you in this world. I've been sent from my Father in heaven. And so Jesus lives his life with a sense of purpose. And this is what it means to steward our lives before God. You see, a slave has no choice in the matter. A slave has to do what their master tells them. But a steward, they steward what has been given to them. And Jesus has this very clear sense of, I've been given this life, I've been given this purpose, and I have free will to decide how to live this life, but that doesn't negate the fact that I have a purpose for which this life has been given. And I'm determined to use this life that I've been given for the purpose for which it has been given. And that's true for you and me as well. You see, we always have a choice. Our life always comes with choices. Right back in the very beginning, there were two trees in the garden. Well, there were probably several trees, but there were two ones that we're really concerned with. There was one, the tree of life, and, and God said, you eat from that. You enjoy just an, an eternal relationship with me. Enjoy intimacy with me. Know what you're made for. Fill this earth, subdue it, be part, bring my kingdom to the ends of the earth. We're going to have this amazing future together. Only there's this tree over here, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Actually, I don't want you to eat from that. I want you to remain dependent on me. I want you to, to, to be dependent on me to define what is right and what is wrong. And we said, actually, do you know what? We'll do it ourselves. We'll go our own way and we made a choice to eat of that tree which we were told not to eat from but there was a choice there was free will God didn't put us on autopilot he didn't create us as robots he gave us choice in our lives because it's to the glory of God when we make good choices it's to the glory of God when we choose to use our lives for the purpose for which he created us And so it brings him glory when we make that choice, and it's a free choice. It brings him glory when we choose to use our lives to bring honor and glory to him. And this is what stewardship is about. When we steward our lives before God, we recognize that God has given us our lives to bring glory and honor to him. And we begin to recognize that everything we have in our lives comes from him. And this, by the way, is absolutely key to developing a heart of generosity. We have to recognize that everything we have comes from him. Every good thing comes from our Father in heaven above. Every blessing whether it's financial, material, spiritual, every blessing we have in our lives comes from him. You see, otherwise we get tempted to start to think that we've achieved things in our own ability. 
because we're, we're very conscious, aren't we? Maybe, maybe you're working really hard at a degree right now, and you're having to put in loads of hours of study, and so when you get that good result, you're like, yeah, I worked hard for that. Um, and if at the end of that, you know, let's hope that you get a great job, and you get a great salary, and you might be tempted to think, well, yeah, I worked really hard for that. I've, I've, I've studied hard. I've, I've put the effort in. I've applied myself. You know, I, I deserve it. And if we're not careful, we, we fail to recognize that actually whatever we have, it comes from him. Whether it's because you worked really, really hard, whether it's because you've really applied yourself to your career, whether it's because um, you were really blessed that, that Auntie Florence left you a huge inheritance, or whether it's because um, you feel that you have a right to um, certain benefits and, and, and provision from the government because of your situation in life. However that money comes in, however God provides from you, we have to recognize it comes from God. Every good thing, every blessing we have in our lives comes from God. You may be the most amazing entrepreneur ever, but scripture says it is God who gives the ability to produce wealth. So even if you're really, really skillful at producing money yourself, you're only skillful at producing money because God made you that way. Every blessing you have comes from God. Everything, your whole life comes from God. My life is a gift from God. Now, he's given me total free choice. I can make, we know this, we see this all the time. Sometimes we struggle with this a little bit, but think about it for a moment. There are people making bad choices all around you. You don't have to look very far to know that God has given us choices. We see the results, and you've probably seen one or two in your own life as well. We make bad choices. We're capable of making bad choices. God gives us the ability to make choices. But he wants us to make choices to use our lives to honor him and to glorify him. Jesus says, my life has been given to me and it can't, it's mine to lay down and it's mine to take up again. Your life is your life. It's your life to use how you choose to use it. And God has asked you. God has placed a call on your life. You heard God calling your name. You heard him moving towards you in love and showering his love upon you. And he said to you, will you follow me? Will you put your life in my hands? Will you use your life to bring glory and honor to me? Will you let me restore you to what you were made for, to live a life in partnership with me? Will you, let me, will you, will you give your life to be all about me and my kingdom and my righteousness? And it's your choice. How will you steward your life? 2 Corinthians 9. And verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9. Verses 6 to 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should decide what you've, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God doesn't want to force you to give. God doesn't want to force you to be generous. 
God wants to stir in your heart to enable you to be a cheerful giver, to enable you to reflect something of who he is, to steward your life, to steward the things that he has given you, to steward the resources that he's blessed you with in order to bring glory and honor to him. But he wants that to be a choice that you make freely. Matthew um, chapter 6 and verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And skip into verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus says, your father knows that you have needs. Your father knows it's not wrong for you to look at your obligations and the, and the things that you have, you know, commitments that you have. If you've got rent to pay, then you, you need to pay your rent. Okay? Nothing about what I'm speaking about tonight is about saying, hey folks, give all your money to the church uh, and then don't worry about your rent. Because that would be stealing. Okay? Think about it for a moment. You can't walk into a shop, you can't walk into your corner shop, pick up a Mars bar and say, oh no, I'm not paying today because I've already been really generous to all my mates. You can't do that. Yeah? You can't, the money that you're supposed to pay the gas bill or the electric bill with, you can't just like give it away and say, oh, I've been all spiritual and generous uh, and then not pay your bills. It's stealing. Okay? Just be really clear about that. We have commitments. There are, there are things, your father knows that you have got obligations that you have to meet. This is about the choices that we make. It's about the choices we make in how to steward what we have. Yeah? And Jesus says, this is about your priorities. Your father knows that you've got all these needs, but what is it that you want more than anything else? When you decide how to spend your money, when you decide how to use the resources that God has given you, when you decide how to use your time, when you decide how to steward your life, what is more, what's the purpose for which you're living? And Jesus is saying, using the example of money, because Jesus is not afraid to talk about money, because he says right here, actually, your money is such a good indicator of what's going on in your heart. It's such a good way. What I spend my money on is such a good way of knowing what's really important to me and what's valuable to me. And Jesus is saying, you need to have clear priorities. You need to put his kingdom before anything else. 
You need to be more concerned about Jesus having his way in our world than you are about anything else. And then we need to say we want every area of our lives to reflect that. We want the, the way we use our time, the relationships we invest into, the, the way we spend our money, the way we use our resources. We want all of that to reflect what we're living our lives for. So I just want to talk about four very practical things to finish with about how we can then therefore try to develop generosity um, that will bring glory to God and steward what he's given us well. The first thing is this, um, plan and budget, okay? Um, when my son Luke um, went to university in Bristol, um, he said to me, hey dad, I'm you know, gonna be spending all this money on my own, I need some help, we need to work out some kind of budget. He'd not done that before, he just like had an allowance from us which he would spend straight away on guitars and pedals um, and um, you know, suddenly he was like gonna have to make sure that he didn't spend all of his scholarship and a bit of money from us and a student loan all on guitars and pedals. So we, we went through um, his budget and we, we looked at all the things that would, all the money that he would be having coming in and we looked about all the money that he would have to spend on the different things that would, obligations that he would have. But one of the first lines that we put into his budget was generosity. We put that right near the top of his budget, generosity, because I said to him, son, if you don't plan to be generous, you will spend all of your money on other things, and generosity for you won't be generosity at all. It will just be what you've got left in your pocket at the end of the week. Yeah? So whether it's giving to the church, whether it's giving to other people, because we, we talked about this and we said it's not just you giving to the church. Yes, you know, it's good to give. That's one of the key ways that we're able to invest into the kingdom of God is by giving to the church, the things that we do with one another. But it's not just that. It's your giving to other people. It's, it's being in a position. What about sometimes you go out with people and you just say, I want to pay for you today. I want to be in a position to bless you. That reflects the heart of God. You might not be someone who's loaded with money and able to make extravagant gifts all the time, but what about planning just to say from time to time, I want to be in a position where I can do that for people? Yeah, talking about um, my kids, um, my daughter, um, she works in Pizza Hut, and um, she's discovered since working in Pizza Hut how rarely people tip these days. So a little shout out for her on her behalf, including this for her. Um, when you go to a restaurant, it's good to plan ahead and think, not what, not, I know I don't have to tip, I know it's not an obligation, I can get away with spending less, but actually I want to plan ahead. I want to plan to be generous. It's talking about the heart here. It's not talking about what you have to do. It's about saying, in my planning, in my budgeting, you know, I want to plan ahead and make sure I'm not caught out that I've only got what's left in my pocket. Because what's left in my pocket putting it into a collection plate or you know, a few coppers on a table after a meal or, or whatever situation it is, what I've got left in my pocket is not generosity. Generosity is planning ahead and saying, what do I want my level of giving to look like? Yeah, does that make sense? Second thing is this, um, aim for the 10%. Okay, now I say aim for because I know that we're all in different phases of life and we know we've got different things going on and I know that some of you may have been in a position right now where you can't do that because you've already got, you know, X commitments and subscriptions going on and what I'm encouraging us is sometimes Christians get all worked up, is tithing for today, is it part of the law? Well, tithing was given before the law. Um, 
It was certainly a part of the law. But the point is this. Jesus came so that we wouldn't have to follow a law written on tablets of stone, but that we would have a law written in our hearts by the Spirit of God. And in all kinds of ways, Jesus makes it absolutely clear that actually that's supposed to produce a higher standard of holiness and a higher standard of righteousness, more passionate and wholehearted living for Jesus than the law ever could have done on its own. So to kind of suggest, well, God's people had to be more generous under the law, but it's okay because we're in the new covenant so we can be more stingy now, is kind of nonsense. Because everything about the new covenant is supposed to produce a higher standard in our lives. So I want to encourage us. It's not about law. It's not about, it, you've got free choice, folks. It's your life. You can steward your life how you want to steward your life. But I want to encourage us this evening to say, why don't we aim to go beyond the standard of the Old Testament and give beyond that 10% in our generosity? Like I say, it may be that that's something you have to work towards. If you've already got subscriptions that you're signed up to, you can't just stop paying them. If you've, but it may be that when that comes up for renewal, you might think, do I really want to be spending my money on that? Am I prepared to downgrade my package that I'm on? Or you know, do I need the latest phone? Or do I need five cups of Starbucks a day? Could I manage with three? Um, whatever it is for you in your situation, it's about planning and saying, I want to own an aim of being generous. Third thing is this, relinquish control. Be willing to relinquish control of what happens with your money in certain situations. Now, you have to hold this intention because there can be a good place for wisely stewarding your money. For example, you might have someone ask you for money on the street and you may, might make a decision that says, actually, I'd be concerned that that money might end up fueling an addiction or something like that, so I'd be better off buying a sandwich or a cup of coffee or something like that. So I'm not saying there isn't a place, but it is also possible for us to use our money in an inappropriate way to try and bring control. So we can say to people, if you will do this, or if, you know, if, you will, if you'll get involved in this certain area of life, or if you'll, if you'll stop doing this, then I will give you money. Um, so just want to encourage us, not, that's not generosity, that's manipulating people. Yeah, sometimes it happens in churches as well where some people will be like, well, if you make these decisions, I don't like this decision, so I'm going to withhold my giving. And I want to encourage us to be, all of us, just be prepared to say, no, I give with a generous heart that honors other people and doesn't try to use my giving as control. That's one of the reasons, for example, that 10% of everything we have coming into the church, we give outside of the church, trying to follow that same um, principle. Um, and final thing is this. Really practically, I want to encourage us to disciple each other. I want to encourage us to see this as something that we have to go after as the people of God. Being generous really matters because God is generous. Because Jesus is incredibly generous and he lays down his life wholeheartedly. And we want to be a people that look like Jesus. We want to be a people that are willing to lay down our lives, all that we have, all of our resources. And so us being generous really, really matters. And us discipling one another is going to be far more effective than me just standing here and preaching a message about how we ought to be generous. But actually saying, how can we help each other to see this produced in our lives? So, for example, you might be really, really rubbish with your money. You might be really, really rubbish at budgeting. But there are people sat in this room who are probably really great with their money. 
probably really great at budgeting. And maybe your response to the word of God is to find someone that can help you to sit down and go through uh, and make a better job of planning for the future. Um, Let's support one another. Let's allow this to matter to each other so that we're not just kind of like looking after ourselves, but we're actually encouraging each other to follow Christ more wholeheartedly. Amen? So can we pray together? Father, I want to thank you that you are the most incredibly generous God. Jesus, we want to thank you that you perfectly put that generosity on display when you laid down your life for us. That though it was your life and you didn't have to lay it down and no one could take it from you, you chose to lay down your life for us. So Jesus, we just want to respond and we say, Holy Spirit, would you help us to respond generously in every single area of our lives with our time, with our money, um, with our resources that you've given us, with our efforts that we use to work on behalf of others, to apply ourselves to the things that you've called us to. Lord God, would you help us to steward our lives well? Lord, would you help us to keep your purpose of your kingdom right at the forefront of what we're all about, Lord God? Lord, would you help us to be generous in our abandoning of ourselves, in our giving away of ourselves in order to bring glory and honor to you? And would you help us, Lord, to disciple one another? Would you help us, Lord, to encourage one another, to build one another up and to spur one another on, Lord God, to love and good deeds? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys.